What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. Hey guys, Daniel here. Welcome back to First Deal Experience. This podcast episode and conversation is with my friend Nathan Payne, a master wholesaler. He's going to talk to us about his very first First Deal Experience and the lessons that he's learned. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. So, I mean, we'll just, we're already recording, so I guess we'll just start, my man, by asking you, um, Nathan, good to have you here. Thank you. Tell me about your First Deal Experience. Well, first deal was very interesting. So me and my business partner got into, uh, at the time I had a business partner, I don't, but uh, we we just started cold calling on the Mojo dialer. We just hammering that thing. Uh, we met with a broker here in Salt Lake City that, uh, you know, was like, hey, I'll give you a dialer. I'll give you a list. Just call through it. And any deals that you get uh, that I can list, give them to yeah. me. And if you can't, if if they're just a wholesale deal, you have them, you keep them, right? And, and yeah, real quick, give me some context. Like how old were you? You know, like, wh- like what, where were you at in your stage of life, I guess, as you were beginning this stuff? Yeah, for sure. So it was right out of college. Uh, I graduated uh, college, got married. Uh, I was like 20. I, I, I graduated a little bit later. I, I graduated like when I was 25, 26, because uh, I went on a two-year mission for my church. So I, nice. I went and started doing school like at 20, 21, 22. So I graduated, got married, and I was doing door-to-door uh, sales for my uh, the whole college career, build up teams. I was pretty good at sales. And I eventually was like, man, I ain't trying to go knock doors for a living, you know? And plus, you have to like move around a lot. You have to go every somewhere yeah. every summer. So I was like, I don't want to do that to my wife. So I was like, well, what what can I do that I, I can use my skill set that I've learned of talking to people? Um, you know, and I, I realized real estate, right? Like I was like, okay, real estate can make good money. Let's do it. So no experience in real estate. I reached out to my buddy who was my roommate in college and he had been doing lease options and wholesaling in college. He was always trying to tell me to get into it, but I was like, nah, man, you need to come knock doors with me and make good money. So we both were making good money, but we just didn't, um, c- couldn't really convince each other to go, but I hit him up. I said, Hey man, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? He lived in Salt Lake where, where I was living at the moment. And, uh, He's like, I got a tech job. I said, forget your job. Let's go all in the let's go all the way into wholesaling. So he quit. I quit the door to door, and we just started uh, trying to get deals. Yeah. And the only way I knew how, I we started knocking, we started calling, just took action. And, and, you, and you said you were like twenty five around this time. So, so I graduated in twenty five. I I started around I think it was twenty seven. Yeah, it was, twenty seven. Okay. After yeah, got it. By the way, man, you're talking to a guy that hasn't even graduated, so no worries. Like you're good. Um, and by the way, on a side note, man, I, I always find people of like the LDS faith, like they make the best business people, like (laughs) honestly, you know what I mean? Like I have, I have a couple of friends of mine that are LDS and they're all like super, super successful. Um, so, okay. So you started out in wholesaling. Um, that was your first, so so walk me through your first deal. So you're knocking on doors, you're, you're taking massive action. Now was, was your approach like, let's just do everything and anything, or was it very like calculated? You guys have things planned now. Like, tell me about that. Not calculated at all. Just what what could we afford? And right now we can mm-hmm. afford. At that moment we could afford knocking. Uh, we started with zero dollars. It's not like we were like, hey, let's start with a budget. We were like, hey, we got to bootstrap this thing. So we started knocking doors and and calling off of the dialer that he provided to us for free. Right. So that's that's was how we started. So that it wasn't calculated at all. It was like, what can we do for free? And yeah. you know, we we 
I guess like this wasn't my first deal because it took a while to close. So I'm going to tell you about the one that actually closed first, but knocking doors, I actually got was the one that uh, I got first, but it took like eight months to close. I was knocking doors and this guy who looked like he was a little drugged out, op opened the door. I said, Hey, I'm, 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 so when I knocked, I was like pitching it as like, I'm working for a buyer, even though it was me, I'd be like, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm in the neighborhood. Uh, I have a buyer that's interested in buying in this neighborhood. Are you, you interested in selling? He's like, nah, this ain't my house. This is my, uh, my grandma's house. I said, can I have her number and give her a call? Because she wasn't there. And he's like, sure. So I got her number, called her, set up a meeting. But that took eight months. That's a great story too. But that took oh, eight wow. months too. Another three, um, another uh, couple months later, we closed our first deal, which came from the cold calling. So that's the one I'm kind of telling see. you about. I so, can tell so, you about both though. No, you're good. Wild. So Well, let's let's talk about the one you actually closed. Um, mm -hmm. So you said you got a list from, you said, like, was it a realtor, broker? Expired listing list. Ex yeah. Okay. So you got expired listings. Got it. Got it. And you were going after from what it sounds like, like single family homes and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, okay, got it. So you, you did cold calling. How many, how many days, how many weeks of cold calling did you do before you found one that was like, Ooh, this is it. I think this took like a month and a half, but, it, uh, to, to find the opportunity, but it took us three months from start to, to close our first deal. It took us three months to do it. No kidding. Good yeah, stuff, yeah. man. So what was that like? I mean, who was the seller? Give us give us the details, man, on the on the A to Z of how it happened. Yeah. So we were calling the expired listings list. There was this guy named Donald from Croatia. He uh was in pre-foreclosure. He listed his home but did not get what he wanted. So he took it down and we called him. And uh my buddy actually is the one that made the initial contact. We call him and it's like midday, first time he the, Corey calls him. And the dude's like sleeping. It's like one, two o'clock. He's just sleeping middle of the day. And we're like, hey man, uh, we're interested in purchasing homes in your area. Would you be interested in selling? He's like, Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Call me back later. And he like went to sleep. So we used our LDS, like you know, door knocking skills, yeah. and we went and knocked on his, his door. And uh, we were relentless with that door knocking. Like we would go knock on the door because we were like, hey, this is an opportunity. Let's go visit him. Uh, so we knock on the door. He, we knew he was there and he wouldn't open because he was sleeping midday. And we'd be like, all right, we're going to have to come back tomorrow. So we, because, you know, now with the volume of deals I do, I, don't, I wouldn't go knock someone's house if they weren't answering the door. But we were like, hey, this is an opportunity. This is hot. So we would go and knock the door a couple of times. We knew he was there. And eventually, like, he let us in. And, like, we sat on the couch. He's like, we, we got to get to know him. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm trying to go back to Croatia to build a fish farm. Forget America. Uh, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm in pre-foreclosure. And we're like, dude, Donald, you got to sell this house, man. You can't just let it go. And he's yeah. like, I don't even care. So it took a couple uh, appointments of us coming back and we'd knock on the door and be like, Donald, we know you're there, man. Let's go get it. Let us in. We're trying to talk wow. to you. So you guys were like relentless. Yeah, man. We, we, we knew he needed to sell yeah. and we knew he wanted to. He just was in a situation of like, kind of like, forget it. Right. Mm. Like, it's like, I'm just going to let it go. So we, we felt yeah, like I, I'm. I understand like if I'm bothering someone, I don't yeah, think I was Yeah, for them. sure, for sure. There, there's some of those sellers you just got to push to the finish line and you know you're helping them because they're not, they're just going to let it go. Yeah. So eventually we we get the deal, you know, we say, hey man, can we do 185 for your house? He's like, okay, so we sign it. 
We go out with our limited knowledge of how to find buyers. We have no idea how to find buyers. We just know how to get a deal at this point. So we talked to the broker and he's like, oh, I can send this out to all my agents that I know and tell them that we're, you know, we have a house they're going to sell. So we send this thing out to the agents and it's a mess. They think we're listing the house. They don't, they know that they, they have they have no idea what we're trying to do. So we do a showing. We ask Donald, we're like, hey man, we're going to have some of our buyers come through. Can you go take your dogs to the dog park? So he's like, all right, fine. So he takes off for an hour and all these people, these agents come with families and they're like showing oh, their house and, and the I house see. is like trashed. And, and they're like, everyone's like, well, this, what the heck? This house mm. sucks. And I'm like, what are these people doing? These agents think we're listing it. And we were trying to find cash buyers. So anyway, the wrong message that broker didn't send out the right message, I guess, or didn't convey that we we're looking for cash buyers. So um, they, we actually got turned into the board of uh, realtors because they were like, Hey, you can't wholesale. Uh, you can't market on our first deal. They like, we had to go in and talk to like one of the board executives. Yeah. Now like, is, was this a law in like your County? Was it like a state? Like, why are they giving you guys so much resistance? Uh, it wasn't a law yet. I don't think it's even a law right now. It was just like frowned upon, you know, he was oh, like, hey, interesting. don't do this. So like as a brand new guy, mm. like first deal, I sat down at the board of realtors and this guy puts out like a tape recorder and he's like, what are you guys trying to do? Market these properties. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> is there something wrong with that? And he's like, yeah. nah, but just be careful. So anyway, that was interesting, but it was really tough, like finding a buyer because I didn't know what to do. Eventually one guy offers us, Guess what he offers us? 185. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so we go back to Donald and we're like, look, Donald, we're a little too high on this property. What we can do is we have someone at 180, like 185. We need a little bit lower from you so we can make something, get this deal done. So he's like, fine, I'll do you 180. So we made 5K on the deal. And uh, yeah, we did everything wrong in the book. We we told them what we were doing. We uh, wow. <laughs> we 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 actually had a couple of showings. So we were like, hey man, I know this is annoying, but you need to take your dogs out of here and go to the dog park. So he'd be like, oh, man, I got to go again. But yeah, it was it was an interesting, yeah. interesting situation. Yeah. Well, you know you know what I love about that story is like, you know, a lot of people. So I you know, as as a lot of my listeners know, but like I I do a lot of coaching in real estate and. Mm -hmm. One of the things I always see happening with like 99.99% of aspiring real estate entrepreneurs is like, they give me two reasons. They're like, well, number one, I don't know enough. And number two, I feel like I don't have the tools and the, the software and stuff like that. So you didn't have either of those things. All you had was just effort. And what I, what I love about that story, man, is that it was not about the resources, but about the resourcefulness as you know, right. a lot of these motivational speakers, I guess, talk about. So um, I love that story, man. So that's like your first deal. You made $5,000 on it. And was that the moment for you where it's just like, oh my gosh, this works? Or was, was that something that you were like disappointed in? Like, what were you feeling after you made that money? I thought it was cool, but I wasn't like pumped about it. It was nice. But mm. by that time when we closed, we had like five or five or six deals in the pipeline that were looking good. So that was a little bit more motivating knowing that like it was working. Uh, but yeah, that deal was interesting because the whole time we, we didn't know if it would go through. We actually drove with him to the title company and watched him sign. That's what we thought you had to oh, do. Wow. We were like, 
we're like, Donald, we'll meet you at the title company. We met him. We walked him up. We like <laughs> sat in the other room while he signed. I think we were even in the room while he signed. So, so you guys were just making sure this thing was going to happen. Like, oh, dude, you guys we weren't were rolling any dice or something. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Man, we, we were making, he had his dogs in the car, I think. He walked up and we, we watched him sign. And I was like kind of shaking, not shaking, but I was a little nervous. Because sure. I, like, I thought there would be like, he'd be like signing the third paper and be like, nah forget this you know like yeah take off so it, it was a lot of uncertainty because i don't know what the heck i was doing um but yeah and that's that's the crazy thing looking back at it. it's like you don't need a lot of knowledge to get this done you just need persistence and diligence yeah i just got a podcast with someone in my mentorship group who we just did a deal together for nineteen thousand dollars, and we jv'd so i gave him 60 percent mm -hmm. of it same thing, bro. Didn't didn't really know much, but uh, yeah. you the person and we got it done. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like I, you know, I I have conversations with a lot of big time real estate investors, and just for me to learn and you know pick their brain and see what they're thinking about. And it just seems that like every person when they tell the story about their first deal and even past guests who we've had on before, like it's never like that first deal is never about how much you know, but it's how much you can take and keep moving forward you know, almost kind of like that Rocky line. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it's, but like resourcefulness just seems to be the number one thing that every like successful investor is like, you got to have that in your first one. Like even looking back at my journey, you know, cause my, my first deal was a, a portfolio of four single family houses buy and hold. Right. And, and looking back, like with the knowledge that I have today, I probably only needed like 5% of what I knew today to mm -hmm. get that deal done. And yet my biggest concern and my fear was like, oh my gosh, I don't know enough. What if there's something that I like, what if I don't know what I don't know? And this thing comes to bite me in the butt and stuff like that. But I mean, it sounds like with your first deal and by the way, like what a scene, I'm just like picturing this like super old Croatian dude, yeah, like in his car with like the dogs in the back and like you guys are rolling in the title company, but like you alluded to a little bit, man, but were you like nervous throughout this whole process? Like what were some things going through your mind? Gosh, bro. When, when we were like, when we were telling him to like, go take his dogs at the dog park, we were nervous when he left. Cause we were mm. trying to push, push people through there quick, dude. So we're like, and he'd call, he'd be like, man, I've been at the dog park for like 40 minutes. Can you come <laughs> back yet? And we'd yeah. be like, nah, man, not yet. We're almost done. So yeah. It was just ridiculous, you know, like we were trying to like keep him from seeing the investors because we thought if he talked to the investors, they would be like, oh, yeah, oh, this guy's trying sure. to we were nervous about that. Now it's like yeah. send anyone through. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always find that when people do their first deal, they get very like, like paranoid borderline parallel about like every single little thing yes. and it's just because yeah. what i found is you know experience breeds confidence right like my mentor one of the things my mentor always says is like your competence will bring you your confidence mm -hmm. so i mean it sounds like you've learned a lot in that deal right like especially that just that first one and i always find with investors like you know there's guys who've done thousand deals right they've got three thousand doors but we all we always remember our first Mm -hmm. what were some lessons you'd say you learn and like to the listeners listening to this right now just like hey this is what you don't do right like this is what not to do what, what were some things that come in your mind right now yeah i mean i, I probably would have not been worried at all about the uh the buyers i you know i would have just been like hey yeah don we're gonna have some more buyers come through make it be once or twice or three times depends we're, we're looking to work with some people in the area we're gonna send them through just put your dogs in the back you know you don't gotta go anywhere don't worry about it 
um, yeah, so the, not being worried about the buyers. And, and, and that second deal where I knocked on the door and we got it done, that like even just from the first deal to that next deal, like nine day difference, like we didn't care. Mm. We let people walk through. So we, we made a lot of different changes uh, just with the next deal. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible, man. Good stuff. So obviously you've done a lot of stuff since then, right? Like, I mean, it's, it sounds like you've had a very successful, and I'm assuming, are you still wholesaling? Yeah, yeah. So I mainly, my, my, I focus on wholesaling. I focus on helping others get into wholesaling. Uh, I JV a lot. I do a lot of on-market properties. I've kind of stopped marketing it a lot with the way the market is, but uh, I still get deals just through my relationships, but that's kind of like what I focus on right now. Okay. I love it, man. So what, like, what would you say that first deal, like what was the purpose of that to catapult you to the lessons that you know now? Like what were some things that you took away and, and what are some things that eventually led to what I believe is one of the most powerful things in business, which is momentum? Uh, yeah, getting it done was probably the most important thing to show that it's real. And I think that's for a lot of investors like, okay, this is real. This works. You just got to sign some paperwork and get it done. And then after that, it's just, it's easy. It's for me, it's easy to look back and be like, okay, that's what I learned. I learned that yeah, this is a real thing. Um, you know, one thing I've kind of lost as I look back at those, I don't really try that hard for deals. Like I don't go and see sellers at all, really. Even if they live in Utah, I just try to get it done over the phone or zoom virtually. If someone was like not answering my calls, I probably would never go to knock their door. Now I'd be like, I can spend my time on something else. So it's interesting when you are you know, a beginner, you're like trying to be really resourceful, but now it's like, you look at your time a little differently. But it's it's interesting to look at it, you know, the way I, yeah. what I was doing. Yeah, and I I think you you hit on something there that I think is really important that I want to make a quick comment on is the biggest difference I've noticed uh, amateur investors and and really like just professional investors who who are performing at a very high level is is how they view time. You know, I mean, like they view time extremely differently, and uh, a lot of investors, man, especially the ones that are kind of just starting out. Um, you know, they spend a lot of time looking at deals, but what I find is they don't spend a whole lot of time actually deciding and getting the information on whether or not that deal is right for them. Yeah. And they, they tend to look at these deals very surface level. So for you, I mean, you being a wholesaler, one of your skill sets, I'm assuming, is the ability to find deals and not only find deals, but find information on those deals. What would you say for you, man, throughout your career and even now, like, what are some of your most favorite ways and most efficient way um, to find these deals and get information on them? So you you know about the softwares and providers that are out there. I use Batch Leads. That's the one that I like to use. Okay. That gets me. That's a good yeah, one. It's the one that gives me all the information I need, and that really gives me everything I need. Like whether that's the owner, you know, uh, taxes on it, uh, you know, how how old it is, who's owned it. It's 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 really cool. So I use that for information. And I do a lot of deals that are in markets that I've never been in. So I leverage uh, real estate agents that I can see that have represented a lot of cash buyers. So I'll reach out to them and say, hey, I've, I've noticed that you're you're doing a lot of deals out there. You're working with a lot of buyers. I was wondering if I could pick your brain. So I, I, I leverage agents and I use batch leads. That's like the main stuff I work with. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is such a side comment, but when you said agents, for some reason, a part of my brain was like, I use Asians and I was like, yeah, they're, they're great virtual assistants. <laughs> yeah, you know, especially Asian the agents, man. There. Asian agents, yeah. man. We're, we're, <laughs> it's all right. I'm not an agent, but I know a lot of Asian agents 
and they're great. That's, right. uh, that's awesome. So um, I love it. So you you use the you know the software now. Are you doing like mailing campaigns or just cold calling? You know, I mean, what do what are you doing with the software? So with the software, I I teach, and what I do is I I, I try to do deals with no spend, and mm. and and there's the spend of the software. But I use driving for dollars a lot. Uh, so when you can drive for dollars, it's like pretty inexpensive because you're not like putting a ton of, uh, you're not pulling like a giant list. So I'll drive for dollars with the software and, uh, I look, I'll look up information. That's pretty much the extent I use it. And then I get most of my deals from JVing, connecting other wholesalers deals to buyers that I've connect, uh, network or connections with. And I do on market deals. So those are like the three primary ways that I do deals. And I've done everything. I've done everything from pay-per-click yeah. to texting, cold calling, you name it. But uh, for me, I, it's just, I, I like doing deals with no spend, even though if you spend, you can get bigger deals. I just, it's just something I like to do. Yeah. So driving for dollars, cold calling, and then the last thing you said is is building strategic relationships. It sounds like with agents, whether they're Asian or white or black, mm -hmm. right? Whatever, um, I'm, I'm not whatever, man. You know, that's right. Money is green. You know, <laughs> it doesn't it does not right. discriminate. Um, so talk to me about that because I think there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of guys that are doing like the direct mail campaign. A lot of people doing cold calling. But one of the things that I don't see a whole lot of individuals really leveraging is is the power of strategic relationships and and just relationships in general. Oh, yeah. um, and I'll even testify to that, man. Like my bread and butter is you know multifamily, it's apartment buildings, commercial real estate, and some of the best deals that I've gotten come across my desk were from property managers that I built relationships with, agents. So how do you do it? Like, what is your framework for finding good ones? building a relationship with good ones. And I think the question that a lot of people want to know is, well, actually, I'll, let me ask you after that. I want, to, I want to have you focus on the first two. So how do you find them? And then uh, what's your style of building a relationship with them? Well, if, if, if it's a completely cold buyer, I've never worked with them. Usually this is the best technique that I found is I research a deal that they flipped or they've done. And when I call them, I reference that deal. So I'll be like, Hey, uh, my name's Nathan. I was calling you. Cause I noticed that I think you flipped a house on one, two, three street. Is that, is that right? And they're like, yeah, that is. I'm like, man, you did a wonderful job on that flip. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit. Then I'll say, Hey, I actually, I do a lot of deals in this area. Are you still buying properties there? And they're like, yeah, I am. Okay. It's like, Hey, well, if I were to bring you something similar to the one you bought, are you in the market right now? And that, that's kind of how I develop relationship is to, uh, reference something that's like legit and real to them instead of just mm. calling and saying, Hey, uh, my name's Nate. I'd like to take you out to lunch. And they're like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> yeah. This guy. So that's the number one way I find with like cold relationships. And then if it's somebody that's like in a mastermind or that you've met, I think serve finding a way to provide value to them and serve them is the greatest yeah. way to uh, build rapport. Because if you're just asking, you know, hey, can you help me? Can you do this and this? People, they're going to say, this guy's sucking my life. You know, he's mm -hmm. all he wants to do is take. So for me, I always look, no matter who it is, what are their interests? Like you, you read the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I what I try to do is like, what are they interested in? Let me ask them and let me serve them. And that's that's how I build relationships yeah. and it works pretty well. Yeah, I, I love what you said there about like you research a deal that they've done in the past and you use that as a reference because what I love about that is because it shows it shows the person you're on the other line with that you've done your homework. Like mm -hmm. you've, you've gone above and beyond as opposed to Googling who they are and just going, hey, like you seem cool. Can I just right. take you out to lunch or take 30 minutes of your time to... You know, and I might not even be a buyer. I might not even, you know, be useful exactly. to you. 
Uh, I love that. So is it is it simple for you, man? Is it simple as like Googling their name or going on Zillow to see their past listings? How do you how do you find that property that you typically reference? It's a good question. So with batch leads, the way I do it, if I have a property or a specific area I'm targeting, I can see uh, flippers that have flipped properties, whether that's an agent that's represented them, or I can skip trace them or Google search them. And so it really, it's not just like a random shot in the dark. It's like, okay, I have, I need to sell this aplex in Utah, for example, and it's in Springville. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, I'm going to reference, look at buyers who have flipped properties or purchased properties in that area. And then I'm going to call them. That's who specifically I'm going to reach out to, to see if they'd be interested in working with me on the deal I have or yeah. So you, you specifically use this, the data, whether it's prop stream batch leads is what I use. Like yeah. I said, yeah, you can, you can target and find out the right, the right buyers. Yeah. Yeah. Prop stream is another good one. That's, that's one of the ones I use currently, or I have, I have my team use currently. It's, it's a really good one. Um, I love that, man. You know, I've, I've actually on a side note, I have a friend of mine who uh, every time like someone drops like you know, a golden nugget. He's got like a, like a sound effect. That's like a bomb sound effect. Cause like his podcast is called dropping bombs, but um, <laughs> he's a good friend of mine. So I'm like, man, that, that moment right there. Like I wish I had a button that was just like, boom, right? Like yeah, it just got to get a button. You know? so, I don't have a button either for mine, but that sounds cool. Yeah. I need buttons. I don't know. I need something where it's like a cool sound effect, but um, I want to ask you this question because I think this is something that a lot of people, especially people just starting out. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important for them to know. You know, what do you do? Cause I mean, obviously it's very simple. Like you can go on bigger pockets. You can go on a lot of these different real estate investing forums mm -hmm. and you know, the advice is, Hey, find a good broker. Like we've heard that advice time and time again. Right. But it sounds like you've kind of cracked the code a little bit in terms of getting these brokers to put you on a priority list, you know? So I have my way of doing it. Right. But I'm really curious to hear yours. Cause you probably have more interactions and transactions with brokers because you're doing single family wholesaling. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of other stuff, but mm -hmm. like, what are some things that you do, my friend, that gets a broker to put you on like their top three lists? It's like, hey, if I got a great deal, I'm calling Nathan first instead of everybody else in my buyer's list. What are some things you've done in your career to kind of create that type of culture? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question because I've tried a lot and a lot of them like are stuck in their ways, right? They're like, you know, in order for you to get on their list, you got to be, um, you know, it, you got to be in somehow. And I think it, it comes down to like performing. If they give mm. you an opportunity and you don't perform or you're, uh, you kind of, their trust that they give you for that time to like perform and you don't like deliver, that makes it tough. So I would say delivering on like what you say you can do and don't like, don't waste their time. Cause yeah. that, that would be, that would be what I had to say. Yeah. And honestly, I, I like what you said too, because it's a lot of it, man, it's just fundamental, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is like, Hey, how do you show up? Are you professional? Are you on time? You know, or are you, do you, how do you carry yourself? You know, do you, do you take responsibility and ownership when you messed up? You know, like a lot of these fundamental, simple things. Um, my One of my favorite ways of kind of getting on the top three list of brokers and, you know, my space is commercial real estate. So, you know, it's a very competitive space, right? There's a lot of competitive buyers and whatnot. And one of the things I teach my students is uh, what I call, what I like to call a flex bite, right? So in our, in the first call with the broker, um, you know, I'll ask them a lot of qualifying questions and typically towards the end, I'll say, Hey, Here's a little bit of who we are, our partnership. And we just simply say, hey, these are our goals. We want to do 100 million AUM in acquisition in the next 12 months. And uh, we talk about who our investors are. And I say, hey, we've got this number of family offices backing us. 
you know, we've got this much of capital raised and all this stuff. And, you know, I find that all of a sudden when, when you start throwing out numbers like that, these brokers are like, oh, yeah. Oh, these guys are, these guys are serious. You know, yeah, you get, you get um, that confidence, I, like you're saying, you know, they're like, oh, they feel yeah. that. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. And so I, I like what you said. And I think the, the, the listeners to this episode can kind of take a little bit about, you know, both, both of what we said, you know, in terms of how they carry themselves. So um, I'm curious, and by the way, I love interviewing wholesalers because you guys have so many cool stories about like some deal that you did, right? Like I've certainly got mine of my own, but I'm, I'm curious to hear yours, man. Like, what are some crazy stories that you've experienced oh, doing man. what you're doing? Bro, I got I got stories for days. So I'll tell you about this one because this, this is a good story. So remember okay, the one okay. I told you where I knocked on the door with the lady? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so I knocked on the door. The the son that or the grandson was a little right. The uh, grandma, yeah, yeah. So grandma. So I'll, I'll tell you this. This is crazy. At least I I think it's crazy because it. Uh, anyway, so knock on the door, get the number. I call and I set up an appointment. I can't be there. So I send my business partner, my buddy, Corey, and he goes and meets with her and he's like, what should we offer? And I, I, I actually was on vacation at time. So I like, without doing a ton of research, I was just like, Hey, it seems like 210 would work. Uh, cause I thought it had a basement because most I'd say majority of the homes in Utah have basements. So 210 seemed like where we need to be. ARV was like a 290. And so he goes there and he calls me after he's like, dude, I got it locked up at 210. We're good to go. So I was like, great, great. And then I, it came to my thought. I was like, did you check if it had a basement? And he's like, no, no, it doesn't have a basement. And I was like, oh no, 210 is too high if it doesn't have a basement because the square footage is like pretty much split in half of what I thought. And he's like, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't really run comps. I just went with what you said. And I was like, oh no, okay, well, you're going to have to go back and renegotiate, bro. And he's like, okay. So like two days later, he took a little bit. I was on vacation. He went, he goes and renegotiates with her. And she, um, she's livid, bro. She's fired up because yeah. he went down to like one seven. It needed to be at like one seventy five. So, so she's like so upset. She's like, I can't believe it. I already started packing. I was ready to go. So it was her and her, two of her kids. She was like in her sixties or seventies, and she had two kids that were in their forties. Not kids, the grown adults. Sure. Right? Yeah. 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 Her so children. Two, her children. Two grown yeah. adults. And then the grandson. So um, she's just upset. And when she said, I've already started packing, she probably filled up a box halfway. <laughs> you know? but, but it was just really tough for her, right? Yeah. So Corey's like, dude, he called me. She's like, dude, she wouldn't sign. Um, she wouldn't She wouldn't like re renegotiate. She's done for. Uh, it's over. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, man. And so in my mind, I was like, man, there's got to be a different way. So me and him are talking. It's about two or three months later. We forgot about the deal. And he's telling me, he's like, man, I read a book today. And he says, like, when we start looking at our uh, our customers or the people we work with, with love and service, that's when it really, that's when we're really going to take yeah. off in this business, Nate. And I was like, because we had just been looking at, like, how can we make money and mm -hmm. not serve? So I was like, Corey, you, you're talking about love and serving people what about Barbara? Like, you remember, remember her? Like she, we, we, we try to renegotiate. Maybe we should just go back and apologize and, and try and see how we can help her. Cause she was in a really tough situation. She yeah. had to feed everybody. And she was like living off of like $700 a month off of social security and nobody oh, was man. working. Her kids didn't want to work. Oh, and, and she, she, was she working? No, she, she had retired at that point. So oh, she, I see. She, she lived in the yeah. house. Her mortgage was like 500 bucks. And I'm sure Jeez. she was getting some sort of help, but she was 
basically was going to be in a, a spot where she couldn't afford everything. Yeah. So, so she was just on limited funds, limited funds and no yeah. one was working. So I thought I was I like, Corey, this, this lady, she needs our help. She needs our help. Let's go talk to her. So I go, we drive up to the house <laughs> and, um, I'm like, Hey man, are you going to come with me to knock on the door? He's like, I ain't talking to her again. She lit me up when I try to renegotiate. And I was like, fine, I'll go talk to her. So I go knock on the door. She, uh, <laughs> she opens the door and she's like, Oh, it's you guys. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to apologize for what had happened a couple months ago. I want to say, I'm sorry. We're here to help. I understand your situation is tough. We, we I'm sorry. Um, and she's like, get out of here. She was upset. I was like, wow. Yeah. Crazy. So I, I put my head down. I walked back to the car. I'm like, okay, at least I said, I'm sorry. You know, cause I felt like we, apparently we had really hurt her feelings from being under contract for two days. And, uh, before I get in the car, she, uh, she calls me over back into the house and I'm like, oh no, she's going to light me up. So I, she calls me in and she's like, come inside. I'm like, okay, well, Corey, I'll, I'll be in here. So she takes me in the house, mess of a house. She's a hoarder. She yeah. takes me to some boxes and she's like, you see those boxes right there? I'm like, yeah, those, that one box. She's like, that's what I packed up when you guys told me you're going to buy my house. I put all that effort and it was for her. I mean, you know, how oh, sure. very hard. So she's like, I did all that. And I was like, look, I really apologize. We want to buy the house. We want to do this. Can we move forward? And she's like, all right, come inside. So I get Corey in. It took about three to four months of negotiating, mm. helping her decide that, look, this is what is best for you. And, you know, there were tears, there was crying because she didn't want to move because she, um, she, she'd just been there. And I think hoarders just have a hard time like moving. Oh, up. sure. Yeah. She had to go. Right. So it took months and months. We found her a place to move into. We connected her with an agent that, uh, with, to, that got her a property, like, uh, like three or four hours South of where she lived. She wanted to move there. It was just really hard. So we closed on the property with a buyer. This time we weren't worried about how buyers came through. We had tons of people come through. We close on it. The next day, the buyer's like, hey, man, you got to get her out of here. I don't want her staying in that house. <laughs> so we were like, we thought he'd give us some time, but he was like, nope, you, I close on it. You need to get her out. So we show up with a moving truck the next day and we're like, Barbara, we're going to move you. You ready to go? And she's like, no, you guys said you'd give me some time. We're like, the buyer wants you out of here we're here to help you out and move so i brought all my the guys that were cold calling for me from college we tried to move her um we it was the the biggest mess ever yeah. like like rat turds everywhere yeah, i can just i can just picture just stacks of paper just every you know one corner and just garbage yeah that's <laughs> And she's, and she's just mad the whole time. Cause she's, you know, in her mind, she probably thought she had like a couple months before she had to do mm. anything. So we're moving her and we can tell she's upset. So we go buy her some little Caesars. We're like, look, we're going to feed the family. Here's some Caesars and Pepsi. That really changed the game right there. When we bought her pizza, she was like, all right, these guys are here for me. So we, we move them. It, we took maybe a day and a half, barely put a dent in the truck. And we said, forget this. I'm never moving anyone again. We called like the moving company and they like a squad of like eight dudes showed up and they packed that house in like four hours, bro. They just yeah. knocked that whole thing out. We had to get two 24 foot uh, moving trucks and just filled that thing up. These guys drove the truck down, dropped everything off the house. If it wasn't for that moving company, I'd probably still be moving stuff to this very day. Yeah. Right? And I think that's like a test to a very powerful lesson. Like I remember when I was, you know, learning about getting in this game, like one of the things I, I heard that, I thought it was a phenomenal technique. It was called change the money. 
And uh, it talks about how a lot of people value something that's not cash, but it means and it helps something to their situation than the cash, right? So it's like, in your case, like how, like how much did the moving company charge? So it cost me about $1,000, everything from like the truck. Cause I got the U-Hauls for them and it was like 400 bucks for that. And then they charged like 600 or a thousand. It actually was like 2000 bucks to do the whole thing. Yeah. But, but I'm willing to bet that like for her, that was more valuable than like a cash amount, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's, that's the concept. It's the perception, right? There's no way she would have done it by herself. There's absolutely no way she had probably been thinking about selling and moving for 10 years, but And I'm dealing with another situation right now where we're trying to buy a house and the guy is is a hoarder and he's in pre-foreclosure about to lose the house. But he's like, yeah, man, he's not signing because he's saying that there's a lot of excuses. The guy will not move no matter what he's saying. He's just not going to do it. These people, a lot of these people get in the situations of pre-foreclosure and where they're at because they don't take action. Yeah. So if we didn't show up with a truck, make her get in the car and put all her stuff, she, she would have lost the house guaranteed. Yeah. And it's crazy how like a lot of these, um, like a lot of people in pre-foreclosure, especially when you're working in like the single family house space, like it's super interesting to like hear the psychology of some of these people, right? And kind of just see like, and, and it sounds super bad, but like you're not surprised that they're getting pre-foreclosed on just based on know. how they, like how they talk, how they carry themselves. And like a lot of them, they're getting these letters and they're kind of just throwing them out, expecting the problem to go away. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's sad. Yeah, they don't take action, man. And I, I really believe wholesalers, like their their drive to like get the deal done and, and help the person move on. Like we probably help a ton, a ton of people who in other ways, like probably would just let the the banks take the house and just take take the, the hit on the chin. But we're like, nah, we're gonna. So it was wild moving her. And then after we moved her, um, she forgot some stuff. I had to drive like t- two hours to deliver her Jeez. a lamp. It was like a, she forgot an Indian lamp. We forgot to like uh, pack one. So I drove all the way down, took her family out to uh, her, Ray, her 40-year-old son and 40-year-old son and her daughter, took them out to McDonald's, got them some McGriddles. And I said, hey, guys, I know that was tough, but uh, we did it and gave her the Indian lamp and haven't talked to her since. <laughs> wow. So I'm curious, man, how much money did you end up making on that deal? So that one was, uh, I think it was $19,000 okay. on that. That's right. So- That's right. So, so better, better deal than the five. And sure. yeah. at this point, at this point, we were, we were just trying to get, like, stay consistent and get deals done. And our next deal was like 42. So we, mm. we just got started getting better and better, but it's amazing. Like how much money you leave on the table when you don't know what you're doing, like yeah. those deals, the five, the 19, the the 42 could have all been like 40, 70, 200,000 deals. Right. If I knew yeah selling right like so if you knew what you know now like if you could go back and redo those deals you would have made more money oh dude i was giving those guys great deals great deals interesting i just didn't know you know i could have flipped all those and or just kept them in wholesale or wholesale them to someone else if i knew yeah 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 more money yeah Yeah. now now is that because you're a better negotiator today you know would you say that's a big part of it Better negotiator. I knew. I know those guys. Uh, probably smelled blood in the water. They're like, oh, these guys. Yeah. So it's okay. It's whatever. No, no complaints. But uh, sure, sure. it's it's just knowledge. It, the more knowledge you have, like for example, that one that uh, that house, 
um, that I got 5k on, like I could have put $5,000 into that and listed it and sold it for like 250 on the MLS after mm. fees and commissions, like what made like 40 on it. So it's all good though. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, man. Like, I mean, it sounds like between your first deal and now, like, I mean, you even verbalized it, like your community, like your negotiation skills are, are far better. Like, what would you say are some of the lessons you've learned? Cause and I, I bring that up, by the way, because I, I, you know, a lot of people who first start and, and have a tough time, you know, kind of getting that first deal done. Um, not a lot of entrepreneurs, but just people in general are very conflict averse and they're mm -hmm. very like intimidated by the negotiation process, right? Like they're afraid of being taken advantage of. They don't know what to say. It's, it's just uncomfortable to them. What are some things you've learned over the years between your first deal and now that are just like, oh, these are some of the greatest negotiation nuggets that I can give to people. Yeah. I've done a lot of studying because I came from the door to door field. So I thought you had to convince someone and like, give them like options or to like, pull it off the table. Be like, Hey, if you don't take this offer, it's, I, I'm going to have to buy another house. That's kind of like what I learned in the door to door. And that does not, I don't negotiate like that at all, at mm. all anymore. The, I, I negotiate with options and I present um, different op options or opportunities for the seller. And I say, which one works best for you? And let's, let's go into that more. Let's dive more deeper into that. So if I would have worked with Barbara this time uh, back, I, instead of being like, Hey, 175 is all we can do. I would have been like, look, Barbara, you have a couple options to work, to do this deal. I'd love to buy the house, but that's not your only option. We can list this house. Unfortunately, if we just list it right now, it, no one's going to really pay a lot. We're going to have to have a bunch of people walk through here. But if that's something you want, if you want a little bit more than I can offer cash, that's totally a viable option. Is that something you're open to? No, I don't want anyone to walk through my house. Okay. Okay. So listing that's out. Can you keep it? Can you keep this house and maybe rent it out, move out and rent it? No, I can't. I can't. I don't want to keep it. Okay. So you don't want to keep it. You don't rent it. Can you flip it? Do you have money to flip this? I don't have any money. Okay. Well, it looks like cash is the only option right now to sell this house is if I can get you a cash offer and get you out of here right now, is that is that going to work for you? Is that something that you'd like to do? Yeah, I'd like to do that. Great. So now that we've narrowed down all the other options are gone, let's dive into cash. So that that's how I negotiate now. Yeah. I, it's before I was like, hey, I can just I just go straight to the cash offer and lowball them, and they'd be right. like, this guy's trying to take advantage of me. Now it's like yeah. this guy's not trying to take advantage of me. He just gave me all my options, and I decided that cash was what I wanted. And that that makes negotiating way way easier when you help yeah. them make the decision. And I think you just said two things that are really really important. I mean, there's two nuggets that I got out of it. Was number one is you know the best negotiators I know they always they always make the other person feel like they're in control. Yeah. Right. They make them feel like hey they're you're in control and you're safe. You know, those are the two things that some of the best negotiators I've met um, who, who do genuinely have a heart for helping people, right? Because if you think about it, we're all entrepreneurs and, you know, I believe entrepreneurs at the very core, we're just problem solvers, right? That's all, that's all we really do. We just solve problems, um, small problems, big problems, right? You name it, but that's one, right? Like they, you make them feel like they're in control and, and they're safe by giving them options. And number two, um, it's a much more of a collaborative relationship than, Hey, this is what I can do. Take it or leave it. Right. right. Like I think yeah. when we think about negotiations, like our minds immediately go to like the car dealership where the guy is just like, well, let me get my finance manager. And right. the finance manager is like, oh, hey, this is the best we could do. Right. They kind of, they, you know, they kind of find ways to, you know, go through the back door. Right. And they throw in fees and all this stuff. So 
Um, I really like what you said, man. That's that's awesome. So what are some other things where let's say someone's listening to this right now? Mm-hmm. Let's say they're 19 years old and they're super young and they're listening. It's like, man, like this Nathan guy seems to have some things figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice do you give to that 19 year old kid who's just, I just want to get started. I don't know a whole lot about real estate. What's step number one for me? So what I tell people to do is what I should have done in the beginning is uh, get get like a someone that's doing what you want to do and just have them mentor you, whether it's like you pay for a mentor or you uh, you just work with a cash buyer. So like what I would do now is I'd reach out, I'd go to like a RIA, I'd go to one of these meetings and I'd say, hey, look, I'm 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 excited. I'm, I'm dedicated to this. This is what I want to do. I will find you a deal. And I would look for who's actively buying. And then I'd say, hey, look, you know, I'm not going to take a lot of your time. I'm not going to waste your time, but I will go find you a deal right now if you point me in the right direction. And then I would talk to people. I'd say, hey, uh, hey, I got someone on the phone. Seems motivated. This is, you know, these are the notes. Is that something you'd be interested in? So I would piggyback off of the knowledge of someone uh, versus just trying to just cold call, cold call and not know who my buyer was. That was the biggest mistake. And that's what I actually teach. What I teach is I call it painless wholesaling because it's it's not painful. It's just reverse wholesaling. Instead of going to find your deal first, you get your buyer first and then you find them a deal. That's yeah. that's what I teach. And uh, that's what I would have done if I started. And if you're the 19 year old, definitely don't just go out and do what I did. I took, I got lucky because I'm a hard worker and I think I'm pretty good at negotiating already from my experience, but it could, it takes some people a year, two years to get their deal just because they're, they don't know where they're looking. They could be looking in South Dakota for a deal for two years. And then finally I would just tell them, Hey, no one buys in that area in South Dakota. You've been wasting your time. So that that's why it's good to have a buyer first, give you that idea of what you need to do. Yeah. And I, and I love that when you focus on the buyer, you develop a niche to start working off of, you know, like one of the things I tell people all the time, it's like, Hey, if you have trouble finding a deal or if you have trouble raising capital, it's probably because you're not super clear. You're not clear enough on what you're offering, you know, like, um, anyways, I could go down that road, but I mean, that's phenomenal, man. I think that's a great place to, uh, to end the podcast. So where can people find you? And, you know, you drop some great nuggets. I'm sure people want to reach out and say, hi, uh, where are some of the best platforms where people can reach out to you? So I have a website called investor thrive. That's my, my company investorthrive.com. You can find me on there. Anything you need is on there. I have a YouTube channel. It's Nathan Payne. Search me on the top guy. Luckily there's another guy, but I beat, I just beat him out recently. Hey, like congratulations, a, man. That's awesome. Like a country folk guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nice. so so you can get me on YouTube. I'm on all platforms. Nathan okay. Payne. Search so Nathan, Nathan Payne, uh, P-A-Y-N-E, right? That's right. Okay, not pay, not, not pain, like P-A-I-N, right? That's right. It's yeah. painless wholesaling, not painful wholesaling. And, <laughs> and also right. Investor Thrive, yeah? That's your website? Mm-hmm. Those are the awesome, two you man. can reach me. And, you know, anytime you hit me up, it's either me. If I, if I can't get to my VAs are in charge of my social media. So you're talking to me or someone in the Philippines. You'll never I know. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it, man. Good stuff. Well, thanks for being here, my brother. Good stories. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on here. <laughs>